For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. More than 500 OpenAI staffers are reportedly threatened to quit on Monday unless the company's embattled board of directors resigns over its surprise move on Friday to oust Sam Altman from the company. The furious employees said they may choose to resign and join Altman, who took a new gig as head of an AI research unit at Microsoft on Sunday, unless all current OpenAI board members step down and both Altman and OpenAI co-founder Greg Brockman are restored to their posts. In addition, the workers demanded that OpenAI appoint two new lead independent directors. They floated former Twitter board chairman Brett Taylor and former U.S. Representative Will Hurd, who departed OpenAI's board earlier this year as acceptable options. As of Sunday, dozens of OpenAI staffers had already quit the firm in protest of Altman's dismissal. The firm has more than 700 staffers. The state of Western Australia is bringing back mask mandates at public hospitals from November 20th. All staff and patients will now have to wear surgical masks in high-risk hospital clinical areas and in critical care settings. The decision has been made based on the latest health advice after a rise in COVID hospitalizations. Western Australian Premier Roger Cook has said, the measure is easy and the right thing to do amid the rise of COVID-19 in the community. Saying it's a simple measure that will reduce the spread of COVID-19 and help keep our most vulnerable safe. The Western Australian Premier said the increasing number of COVID-19 cases was leading to a rise in COVID hospitalizations and health staff taking days off sick. Former President Trump spoke about the Biden crime family at a rally Saturday night in Fort Dodge, Iowa, and promised to cancel negotiations for the new Trans-Pacific Partnership trade deal that he refers to as TPP2. Joe is planning yet another Biden betrayal. It was just reported that the Biden administration has been secretly plotting to resurrect one of the all-time worst sellouts and deals ever made by our country. I canceled it, you remember? Killing American workers, the disastrous Trans-Pacific Partnership. Remember that? The TPP was a globalist hit job on family farmers, American manufacturers, and in particular on automakers. You won't make any more cars here. I hope the union heads know that because I think we're going to get most of the auto workers because when, when they go to all electric cars, which is preposterous, you can't make them here because we don't have the minerals, we don't have the materials for it. We have a thing called gasoline. That's what we have. And we should be using what we have, not what China has. So they won't be making cars here. Former Prime Minister David Cameron, who bet his career on the failure of Brexit and loss, has returned to frontline politics. Within hours of being appointed Britain's new foreign secretary, former Prime Minister David Cameron landed in Kiev. Here with more is TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. Well, this is interesting, the triumphant return of none other than David Cameron. Many would regard him as a failed prime minister. He sort of absconded, disappeared after the Brexit vote, and now he's back. He's back in politics. So how do you become foreign secretary in Britain without actually being an MP, without being in the House of Commons? How do you get that portfolio? Well, easy. They just made him a lord. So give him the peerage, then they can give him the ministerial position. So he's in the House of Lords. Lord Cameron is now the Foreign Secretary of the United Kingdom, only he doesn't have to hold his feet to the fire in front of the Commons. It's all being done away from scrutiny, away from the normal venue, somewhere in the House of Lords. So what are they doing here? Basically what they're doing is black boxing the whole Foreign Office, Foreign Secretary portfolio. In other words, out of sight, out of mind. They'll talk about it maybe on the Commons floor, you'll hear about it, but in terms of the Minister himself, he He's not there. He's hiding in the Lords, or so it seems. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen.
Oh, thank you, Patrick. And we've got weather next. It's four past six. Hunger, diseases, coastal flooding as a result of climate change. We may be beyond the point of no return. Scientists believe that we have no choice but to consider geoengineering. This is large-scale manipulation of the Earth, such as spraying sulfate aerosols into the ozone layer in order to increase the reflectivity of the planet. But geoengineering is very, very risky. We have never attempted these technologies on such a large scale. So we could end up destroying the entire ozone layer. I want to consider a class of solutions that have never been considered before. Human engineering. It involves the biomedical modification of human beings. I'll give four examples. Here's one. 18% of greenhouse gas emissions come from livestock farming. So if we eat less meat, we could significantly reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. Now, some people would be willing to eat less meat, but they lack the willpower. Human engineering could help. <laughs> Just as some people are naturally intolerant to milk or crayfish, like myself, we could artificially induce mild intolerance to meat. <laughs> by stimulating our immune system against common uh, bovine proteins. And in this way, we can create an aversion to eating eco-unfriendly food. And we can do this, for example, by having meat patches, kind of like nicotine patches. People can then wear these patches before they go out for dinner to curb their enthusiasm for eating meat. That's just crazy, isn't it? Matthew Loud. Oh, boy, I, they're going to do it. You see, hear them all clapping. All these vegan half-wits, no brains. You need meat, you need the meat, you can't beat meat. You know, the Garden of Eden, I, they, they didn't eat meat then. That was because they're only there a minute or three. They just had a bit of fruit around. They didn't have to eat anyway. They were immortal. They didn't need to eat. And just a bit of fruit there. Just, you know, women like to put things in their mouth. So that's why they just pick, they do. Little kids, you always watch it. It's the girls. The little girls are always, you know, putting things in their mouth, you know, and they end up taking to the A&E, try and get the thing out. Boys are the ones, they stick things up their nose and stuff like that. But girls are like that. And also with boys, they've all, they're always the ones with sticks. They're always poking things. Have you noticed that? Going around, climbing trees and poking things. But anyway, uh, there's something wrong, actually. There's something desperately wrong. I wonder if when they start start medicating people with this mark of the beast that's coming uh, I wonder if because it'll be there will be because the Bible says that what happens is people uh, they get noisome sores on them and that, that noisome means smelly so they're going to get these smelly sores uh, that, that's all the ones that take the mark of the beast on the right hand or in the forehead and the King James Bible is ac- absolutely spot on it doesn't say on it says in in the right hand and in the forehead so it's going to be something under the skin under the dermis I would think some kind of a mark you can't buy or sell without it and everyone has to have it even Bill Gates <laughs> and the only people that won't be having it was people like me because we've read our Bible and we believe it from cover to cover even uh, just inside the cover my mum wrote my name there too Grant Christmas 76 <laughs> 
<laughs> I think it was my birthday. Happy birthday, 1976. And, um, and I never read it because I didn't realize that that King James Bible was as powerful as it really is. I, I didn't really take it all that seriously. But it is. It is. I've proven it. I've proved. I've proven it to myself. I don't really care about what you think. Other people think I've proven it that it possesses all the necessary elements of being a divine revelation from our Creator, and um, and we've gone over that, haven't we? We've talked about the the um, necessary elements. What I might do is I might do a little trailer. What are the necessary elements to convince thinking people, never mind the lunatics, but to convince thinking people that the Bible or any book for that matter is a divine revelation from the Creator? What must it possess? Because there's all these books, isn't there? The Vedas and the and the um, what are the what are some books? The oh, the Book of Mormon. And um, there's all sorts of books. Um, What's another one there? The Quran. Uh, and, but, you, you know, it's got to possess certain elements. You know, like one of them is it's got to be inerrant. I think it should be inerrant. Perfect at the word level, actually, in actual fact. Absolutely perfect. Uh, because if it's written by a divine being, then surely it would be perfect. I mean, men could write a million words, couldn't they? But uh, there'd be a mistake. There would be some provable error or contradiction would have to be in there. And there might be some apparent contradictions, but when you actually went and studied them, they, they wouldn't be able to be provable. Uh, that's what I, I would say. It has to be perfect at the word level. Uh, it has to be available to all of us, because why would uh, the creator, uh, the first cause, if you like, why would this creator or first cause uh, provide written word for people? Uh, if it, um, if, you know, if it was, why would he hide it? I mean, you, you wouldn't do that with your kids, would you? You wouldn't sort of say, look, I can't be with you for, oh, I'm going to be away for a thousand years. Uh, you know, but, but here we are, I've, I've just written a series of books, um, and they are my letters to you. So, so that you know uh, where you came from, uh, how I want you to live, and um, what, the, what the whole thing's all about, and um, when I'm coming back. I'll put it all in there, and then I'll just leave it there. I wouldn't just leave it to you know, a few of my kids. I'd, I'd make sure they all had it available for them to read. Um, yeah, that's what I would do anyway. If I went away, like say I went to another country, I would, might write letters, and they would be to all my children, not just some of them. I don't have, wouldn't have favourites. Not meant to have favourites. Some people do, but I I don't believe in favourites. And so it'd have to be available, wouldn't it? Have to be um, perfect. If I was God, have to be perfect. Uh, so you should be looking for something that's perfect. No provable errors in it. No provable contradictions. It would have to be comprehensive have to have everything that you needed to know. That's another element, comprehensivity. Is that a word? Comprehensivity? Uh, it would have to be comprehensible. You'd have to be able to understand it. It might be difficult in places, but you know, with a bit of study, you should be able to understand it because it's written for people, isn't it? If it is, if it's a divine revelation from the creator, it's to the created. And so therefore, it would have to be understandable. It was a rather long, a long cough. Uh, and also, it would have to have the other element of um, something that no man could copy. It would have to have a supernatural element that nobody could sort of emulate. And I think there would have to be something like prophesy, prophecy, wouldn't it? To some form of prophecy, some event that no man could possibly know, and that you could prove outside of the Bible itself or the whatever book it is you're trying to. Um, figure out whether it, it actually is a divine revelation or not. So these are the elements. Um, yes, it have to. It would have to have some supernatural element that no man could possibly know. And uh, I believe that the Bible has that. And in particular, the King James Bible. 
I've proven it to be so. And uh, so that's why I am a bit of a stickler for it. But as I said back in 76, when mum gave me the King James Bible, I just thought, oh, a load of rubbish, because I thought, oh, those King James people, they're crazy. They really are nutty. And they were usually old men in suits. <laughs> old men in suits with a big black Bible and, um, you know, Bible bashing, we, we called it. We never took Bibles to church when we were oh, when we were a bit older, but when we were young, everybody everybody had a Bible under their arm when they went to church back in the old days. That was the people that were serious about a Bible studies and stuff like that. And uh, it, yeah, then after a while, people stopped doing that. They started listening to people instead of finding out for themselves uh, what the Bible actually says. That would be one of the most important things. I think if you want to be a Christian, if you want to grow as a Christian, you you actually do have to read that book for yourself. Um, Jesus said, the words that I say unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So yeah, they, are, they are spirit. And it says that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. So you need every word of God. And uh, so if the Bible is this divine revelation, which I believe it is, I believe it possesses the necessary elements that I just talked about, uh, then I would be pretty good idea to take it seriously, wouldn't it? and not fluff about. Okay, when I come back, we'll go back to the newspapers. It's uh, 14 minutes past six. From beanies to carry bags, and from shoes to caps, browse our shop now at tntradio.live. Jesus began oh, hang on. with the most obvious... Oh, no, I wasn't going to have you... You, know, you just wait. Yeah, we'll put you on the, in a minute. Um, I better do with it. Uh, actually, before we do that, I'll let, I'll let him play because my water's boiling. I've got something on the pot. Jesus began with the most obvious sign that you've come to the end of the age. Now, some people might say, well, there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and nation against nation and earthquakes and famines. Well, those things have always happened. They're happening more now than they've ever happened. But they've always happened. And somebody could say, oh, come on, that's always gone on. So Jesus began with the sign that's most important for us to understand, and it's in verse 4. Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed. It's the word blepo, but here it's the direct form blepete. It's like he's just grabbing hold of them. Stand up. Listen, he's trying to jerk them to attention. Take heed that no man deceive you. Deception is the most glaring sign that we've come to the end of the age. That's right, and that is Rick Renner. And I didn't have something on the pot. I had a pot on the stove. <laughs> That's an old term. I used to say, I've got a pot on the stove. Just a minute. I'll be back in a minute. Uh, anyway, so I've got a nice coffee here, and I better not push the plunger down too hard because what happens is it pours out the top and goes all over the computer, and that'll be the end of the program. That's the trouble with laptops and uh, the desktop a lot better in that respect because you can just replace the keyboard, can't you? Yes. Okay, so we better do just have a quick look at weather because um, weather is important. And uh, we've got this low pressure. Um, once I've done this weather, we'll have a look. I want And remind me, gosh, don't let me forget, Richard Preble, he talked about electoral fraud. And that's what really needs to be needs to happen before we go any further with this coalition nonsense. It needs to be stopped. Hipkins need to carry on as a caretaker government while we investigate to see if the people that actually were on those to see if the not that the ballots were counted properly, but whether those ballots were actually taken from people that are able to vote because that's where the electoral fraud goes on and we've found that it, the people that aren't they have to be on the roll and they're not requiring that they don't even require um what you call um, the uh, taking you know what do you call it your um, your identification you don't need to show these people your id and you don't have to be on the roll that's wrong 
you should be on the roll. And special votes should be very special. There were 603,257 special votes. And that's about 21% of the voting public. That's not good. And uh, those bo- some of those people that were voting, they will not be, they should not be voting. And so there needs to be a thorough, uh, it's a criminal thing, it's criminal really, and needs to be a proper investigation done. And Hipkins needs to carry on as a caretaker. And I, I would say that after Christmas, that's what I would be doing right now. We, we do not, we cannot go another day. Uh, we cannot have a new government in until we've found out really who should be in. And I would say that if they actually did that investigation and checked to see the validity of the ballot itself, not the actual number, but whether they were actually able to be to be voting, I would say that it would just be a Labour, a national uh, act that would be the winners in this, and they wouldn't need Winston Peters. Uh, also, we find that the special votes were mainly Maori Party and also the greens as well so they would be out as well they wouldn't they wouldn't be having you know wasting uh taking up space in the parliament okay let's look at that uh, weather system we've got this low pressure system to the northeast and it still drives showers to the east of the north island today perhaps a few pockets of rain still a few afternoon showers out west as well for the south island it's going to be uh, mainly settled with high pressure however Showers could be developing inland again. For Northland, Auckland, Waikato and also for the Bay of Plenty, partly cloudy. The odd isolated shower, especially afternoon and evening. Southerly winds, 22 to 25 is your high. For the Western North Island, including the Central North Island, partly cloudy. Cloudier towards the Eastern Ranges with the odd shower. Southeasterly winds and 16 to 22 is your high. Eastern North Island today, patchy rain or showers. South to southeasterly winds with 17 to 19 degrees. In Wellington, mostly cloudy with the odd sunny spell, possibly mainly afternoon, a few light showers, uh, mainly later in the evening though, southeasterly winds, 18 and 19 degrees is your high today. In the South Island, Marlborough and Nelson, mostly sunny in Marlborough uh, for some but you do have some cloud, especially morning and night. Easterly in Marlborough, easterly winds in Marlborough and the afternoon northerlies for Nelson. Temperature is 19 to 21 degrees. In Canterbury, mostly sunny. Afternoon cloud inland about the ranges, perhaps. An isolated shower close to the main divide. It's terrible reading something. There's no, no proper punctuation. you just got to plough your way through it. And Anyway, cloud thickening overnight for most, though. East to northeasterly winds, a freshening, and then, and then you've got um, easing later in the day. <sighs> Uh, 18 to 25 degrees uh, in the west um, west coast that is mostly that's over there you know sort of Harry Harry and places like that uh, mostly sunny uh, and Ross <laughs> Harry Harry and Ross Harry uh, Harry and uh, you've got sunny today uh, isolated showers developing about the ranges in the afternoon and then clearing later on <laughs> Uh, light winds tending uh, west to southwest of the afternoon, 19 to 26. It's quite a range, actually. It's weather's up and down on the old Mercury. Southland and Otago, mostly sunny with uh, developing high cloud. Uh, it's going to be thick- <laughs> thickening and lowering later in the day for coastal areas. Uh, you've got uh, thickening. Uh, Canterbury, Otago, you've got a few isolated showers developing. Uh, a, f- a few may be heavy and then clearing later on. Who writes this? Uh, it is good, though. I mean, it is good. It's a bit different, isn't it? Weatherwatch.co. I think I think he's fun, old Duncan. Now, uh, light winds, east to northeasterly winds for central Otago, 19 to 25 degrees. Whew. 
Let's see what the extremes are, shall we? Uh, I'll just do a quick refresh on that. And while we're waiting for that quick refresh, we might hear from Douglas. No, we won't. No, we won't. No, we won't. We won't do that. We'll just stay with it. Here we go. Uh, Timaru is the lowest temperature, four and a half degrees at the moment. Auckland in a place called Manukau. Uh, not to be confused with a place near Ohau. Uh, Manukau. Uh, Auckland, yes, Manukau, 16.5 degrees, uh, 33 kilometres per hour of wind is blowing through Castle Point, and I think Castle Point is up, you're sort of between, just round from Wellington on the uh, east coast, isn't it? Just just out of Wellington there, heading up that way. I'm pretty sure that's where it is anyway. Uh, for Gisborne, it's a, what, raining in the east. They did say that, didn't they? Yes, they did. 3.1 millimetres per hour of rain at the moment so it's not too bad not too bad at all okay so that's uh, news and weather and uh, when we come back we'll uh, carry on and i want to talk about uh, richard preble uh, i wonder if i can find that story actually it's a pretty good story here's douglas murray why is it that when uh, one of the victims of the music festival uh, a poor young german jewish girl uh, who it seems was was raped and then uh, brutally uh, murdered and taken into the Gaza naked. Why was it that you can find, and anyone can find this online, uh, a crowd of ordinary Gazans, it wasn't a Hamas, it wasn't a Hamas rally, ordinary Gazans uh, uh, spitting on her body, uh, hitting her body, mutilating her body further as it went down the street. Does that strike you, Piers, as a uh, placid population of peacenik types who are just desperately waiting waiting for a two-state solution to be put back on the table for the millionth time in the last 70-something years. It doesn't seem like that to me. No, but there are over two million people in Gaza, and there weren't two million people in that video clip. There were a few hundred. So I, I don't like to make... Yeah, well, a few hundred at random. A few hundred at random. And did you see anyone in it saying, hey, guys, stop? No, that's right. Yeah, that's right. No, they're all a pack of bastards, aren't they? Yes, they are. They hate the Jews. They hate the Jews most. They hate the Christians next. And they hate you too. <laughs> if you're an atheist, you're on the list. And, you know, there's not enough uh, tall buildings for the homosexuals in Gaza. So don't think all these, look, all these, um, what is it in there? They say, gays for Palestine. <laughs> you guys need your head read. You're just going to be tipped off the top of a building. There's not, as I said, there's not enough high high buildings because Israel is demolishing them. <laughs> I hope that Israel go in and completely destroy all of Gaza, pull all the buildings down, just a just a yuck, just a rat infested hole. Get rid of the whole lot. Send all the um, Arabs back to Arabian countries where they came from. They are Arabs after all. There's no such thing as a Palestinian. We heard from Golda Meir. She said, I'm a Palestinian. She said, uh, from 1921 to 1948 she said I carried a Palestinian passport well it wasn't really she said there were no Jews Arabs and Palestinians there were Jews and Arabs and that's all they are they are basically Egyptian the first Arab that was ever that ever was uh, born was actually half Jew uh, his name was Ishmael he's the father of the Arab nations so they didn't come from Arabia they went to Arabia they actually were uh, with Abraham it was uh, Abraham's and Sarah's handmaiden, her name was Hagar. She was young and fertile. She was an Egyptian. And uh, so Sarah wasn't able to have a baby. Uh, she thought so anyway, even though God promised her he would give her one. And he did actually give her a baby. Later on, his name was Isaac. But anyway, they thought that helped God, didn't they? And oh boy, that was a mistake. So don't help God. No, God help. Don't, don't, God does help them that help themselves. I, I do believe that. But 
We don't want to be helping God. When God says he's going to do something, it always happens. It always comes true. So don't don't worry about that. When the Bible says stuff, it always comes true. But anyway, so what happened was um, Abraham did take old Hagar into the tent and, uh, and out popped Ishmael. And Ishmael didn't get along with uh, his younger brother because Isaac was born. And he was the Jewish born to uh, Sarah. That's the child of the promise. And then so the Arab... He's actually half Arab and half Jew, the father of the Arabs, Ishmael. And he's, uh, sorry, did I say half Arab? Yeah, Egyptian, Arab, same, same diff, really. Uh, so Egypt, Egypt, well, yeah, I, really. So if you think about it, Arabs are actually half Arab and half Egyptian. That's where Arabs come from. His name is Ishmael, the father of the Jews. So we've got two half-brothers scrapping over a real estate transaction. God promised, according to the Bible... All of the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He didn't promise Abraham and um, and his son, uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Ishmael. Didn't promise him anything. He said, "I'll make you a great nation, but you'll be a wild man." <laughs> and that's what we've got, haven't we? We've got wild men. No, and he didn't say that. But he did promise Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He promised it to Abraham. Then he promised it again to his son Isaac. Then he made the same promise again to. Jacob and Jacob's name, he said, I'll call you Israel. So Jacob was actually was renamed Israel. And then, of course, Hadrian came along, didn't he? The Roman. And he wanted to wipe out the name of Israel uh, altogether. Oh, but we've got to go back further than that. So Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, they didn't actually get the land. It wasn't until Joshua in the 13th century B.C., came along uh, and God told him, you know, God told Moses, go into Canaan. I'm going to give you that land that's going to be the promised land for you that's the land i promised your your fathers abraham isaac and jacob so joshua came in didn't he and he took the land of canaan but god promised him much more than that promised them all of gaza all the west bank all the way down to south northern africa and almost up to russia i mean it's just incredible from the river euphrates all the way to the sea of the mediterranean that's all israel that's what it's going to be in the end when either King David is resurrected and rules from Jerusalem again after the Great Tribulation, when we enter into the millennial reign, when Jesus Christ is here on the earth uh, and all the Christians come back with him. Uh, or it could be Christ himself. I do not know. But in that little time, that little seven-year period, that little seven-year, that week of Jewish calendar years, when God starts dealing with the Israelis who are far away from God, they are most of them are far away from God, and that's what it says in Ezekiel chapter eleven. He's going to bring them back into the land, which he's been doing all along, and a massive, a massive uh, migration of Jews from all over Europe uh, and the or the diaspora they call it came back into the land in 1948. Now, some funny people are believing Roman Catholic doctrine. This is where this thing was spawned. This anti is another form of anti-Semitism. They're saying that Zionism is a bad word and that uh, there's this, this, this Jewish conspiracy and everyone, all the Jews are in, involved in it and they're all involved in it and they're all the money, all the rich people <laughs> and they're going to take over the world and it's basically just a Jewish conspiracy. It's a Zionist and they believe that the state of Israel is actually just a, is, is real, like real estate. You know, they spell it differently. And they are basically modern-day anti-Semites, and that's what they are. And Christians, are so-called professed Christians, are involved in this. And usually it's people that haven't studied their Bible properly. They say, oh, God scattered the people. But that's Roman Catholicism. They say God has scattered the, the Jews and he's finished with them. 
because they believe that when the word Israel is mentioned, it actually means the Roman Catholic Church. They don't say Roman Catholic Church. They just say the church. And so us idiots think that that means, that, oh, that's us. And so they think that we, we are Israel now. And so all the promises for Israel belongs to us. But it's not the case, folks. God is going to bring back the Jews into the land, and he's done it. He's done it. Uh, he hasn't cast them away forever. He scattered them as punishment. He's punished them. And he certainly did. And uh, they're coming back. And they are a huge amount of them coming back. Even now, it was something like 120% uh, was the, uh, the reservists. When, they, when this war broke out, when these uh, terrorists started slaughtering Israelis on October the 7th, 120% of uh, reservists arrived at, um, at uh, deployment stations right throughout Israel, ready to fight. People came from all over the world, and um, people as old as 90 took up arms to help defend the country. Um, it's just in them. But anyway, I'll, I'll just move on from that. My point is that God, these people are not... As a whole, Israel is still far away from God. They think they're close to God, but they don't accept that Jesus Christ is their Messiah. When they read, the Bible says that they're veiled. They can't see it. Even though they're so intelligent, the most intelligent people in the world are Jews, followed by the Asians. And there we I'm way down the list. Yeah, we're not so bright. But they are bright, and that's why they're so wealthy. And that's why you hate them. You don't, you're just jealous. They're better than you. You know, anti-Semitism basically is just um, a bunch of losers hating people that are winners. They are winners. Look what they've done. They've blessed the world with technology, entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, and uh, they're just clever. And God's given them the, the brains to do this stuff. And uh, you hate it, don't you? You hate them. And sometimes you don't even know why you hate them. And then the Roman Catholic Church, the, 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 the Jesuits in there, they've started all these conspiracy theories. And they really are conspiracy theories. They're not conspiracy real. They're not reals. They're, they're, they're actually lies. They're not even theories. They're actually, actually lies about God's people. And they are God's people. And one day you'll find out. And there's a warning in the Bible that says that you who curse this, the Jewish people, there's a curse, your curses will come to you. And those who bless you, bless, bless the Israelis, um, this is in Genesis 12, 3, uh, God will bless you. So if you want a blessing, you better start blessing those Israelis right now. You better get behind them because uh, the devil is trying to destroy them. But God will never allow that. That will not happen. There'll be a remnant come out of Israel. And uh, they are God's chosen people. And Christians are too. We're lucky enough to be grafted in grafted into that vine. But that doesn't mean to say that we are Israel. Uh, it doesn't mean to say that at all. And that is a Roman Catholic lie uh, from the pit of hell, a doctrine of devils that God has finished with the Israelis, with the Jews. And he certainly has them. And uh, Ezekiel 36, there's dozens of verses which say that God will gather them from the four corners of the earth and bring them back into the land. And they're still going to be far away from God as they are. Some aren't. Some of them are Messianic Jews. Some of them are still, you know, very far away. And there's secular Jews as well that don't believe in God at all. And the Antichrist, when he arrives, he's going to be a secular Jew. He's going to want to be worshipped himself. Uh, he's going to be a Jew because only a Jew could go into the temple and set up an image of himself, the abomination of desolation, spoken of by Daniel and also spoken of by Jesus Christ. That's going to be set up in that temple. 
And uh, I don't know if it's the temple, the one that Christ is going to set up, but he's going to go in there. He's going to, I believe that he will start, he'll reinstitute at the very beginning of his reign when he signs a peace treaty with the Arabs and the Jews. He'll be, he'll be the one that brings peace. And they'll think, oh, he's so wonderful. Oh, he's so gay. He'll be a gay <laughs> um, um, non-Jew, really. He'll be wanting to be worshipped. And uh, he'll say that he is, I bet you, he'll say, I can claim my lineage to Mary Magdalene and Jesus Christ. He'll unite the Roman Catholic Church. In fact, the Catholic Church will actually help put him in power. That's what the Bible says. Then he'll turn on her like a rabid dog, and she'll be burnt to the ground. Babylon, the whore, the harlot, the woman that rides the beast. He's the beast, and she rides him. She rides him, and this is the religion, the Babylonian religion. She rides him into power, and then he turns on her. He kicks her off. (laughs) And then she burns, and all the merchants of the earth, they wail because they do. They make so much money with the Roman Catholic system of religion, so much money. They are the wealthiest state in the world. With all the poor people in Roman Catholic countries, it's a scandal because they are richer than any country. All the wealth of Babylon came down through the Medo-Persian Empire, from the Medo-Persian Empire into the Grecian Empire, from the Grecian Empire to Rome, to Rome split up into two legs, uh, two um, different um, portions of Rome, and then Rome, all that wealth, all the way from Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greek, Grecian, Roman, is now in, when the hordes of Central Europe invaded Rome, all that wealth is in Europe, and it's in that Vatican. It's in those Vatican banks. And all all they do all day, these uh, these cardinals, these Jesuits, they just think up. They're just thinking up stuff, and they've been doing it for generations. They are dedicated folks. That church is the enemy of the Lord's people. It is a counterfeit Christianity. It is wicked. It is it is Satan's church on earth. It is the mother of all harlots, the mother of them all. And that church is a political system, in religious garb. And the Antichrist is going to be brought to power. But because he will be the devil himself in human form, he will be smarter than than her. And he will destroy her. He will turn on her and destroy her. Trump or Biden? Biden. Biden. Why? (laughs) Because Trump sucks. He's an idiot. You don't like Trump? Not at all. What are some of the reasons? Uh, Because he's a traitor to the country. Oh, really? How, How so? He's a cheater. <laughs> because he's he's sold out the country to uh, Russia. Uh, no, he didn't. Man, the media. You know, we all say on the right that the media, their day is done. Well, obviously have an impact on people like that. Yeah. Oh, that's it's just crazy, isn't it? Okay, so we've. Um, I'm going to go back to stuff because we were reading a story before the news at uh, 6 uh, about um, the, you know the main deal, so I'll just recap on that. So what's happening there with the um, the coalition talks? National leader Christopher Luxon says New Zealand first and active reach a policy agreement. Uh, incoming Prime Minister Christopher Luxon says he is negotiating uh, who will be in cabinet now uh, and who will not. Who will get a ministerial portfolio after reaching agreement over the policy with New Zealand first and act? But New Zealand first leader Winston Peters he's less optimistic, remarking to reporters last night on his way to a meeting with uh, Luxem that it was an assumption, quote-unquote, to make such a claim. 
Uh, it comes 17 days after the election result was finalised, with more than five weeks after the election day. That is more than five. Uh, speaking to the media on Saturday, Winston Peters, he said that, uh, what did he say? He said, well, what did he say? Oh, oh, this is what he said. He said, Parliament could theoretically resume earlier than the end of November. Oh, I would hope so. Uh, but Labour leader Christopher Hipkins, he's called for a ceasefire in Gaza. He wants to support the Palestinian terrorists. Uh, so-called Palestinian, the Arab terrorists, if the truth be known, nationalists emphasised a need for various conditions to be met before making such a call. Ah, oh. is that, are they, so is that, oh, I don't know, quite understand that, whether they're talking about the same thing. Anyway, so that is, um, that's what's going on there. So really, uh, we know, we don't know any more, um, and we just have to quick, re, just keep, keep refreshing it. To see if um, to see if there's any new news. Now um, there was a stolen car, wasn't there? I don't know. What should we do next? I don't know. Grant, what's the most important thing? I was I was quite interested in that neat little company that's um, the guy that's uh, allowing people to have unlimited sick leave. I thought that was good, and uh, so that could be a, that could be quite good, really. Of course, you just you you know you you better read between the lines when you're interviewing them, uh, who's going to you know have you on or not. It didn't say you couldn't sack them if they had too much, <laughs> too much sick leave. Mm, I don't know if you're sick, you're sick, aren't you? But sick leave—that means you get pay, doesn't it? Oh wow! I'm just looking at a picture here: a stolen car flees police twice, crashes into traffic lights, and then smashes into another vehicle. That is um, uh, in Christchurch, I think. Let's have a look. Images show the dramatic scenes when a stolen car slammed into a set of traffic lights, clipping another car. After earlier fleeing police twice, must be good drivers, baby driver. <laughs> a police spokesperson said officers saw the stolen vehicle on Auckland's Buckland Road, a Buckland Road, that it had fled police earlier in the morning while driving dangerously on the motorway. Uh, the car sped off again and then spotting police, uh, so when spotting police, however, they did not pursue it. Wonder why not? Probably because they're going too silly, going too crazy. People sometimes police say, "Oh, we stopped," but then they crashed. I reckon they crashed and then they stopped. <laughs> they just got to make it sound right. The driver clipped another vehicle, didn't it? The intersection of Bucklands Road and Massey. Didn't I read all that? Nearby residents rushed to the scene after hearing the crash, but police were already on site. Yeah, that's right, because they're chasing them. Police uh, could be seen pulling the driver from the car, which had caught fire after the crash. Uh, he, the uh, fire quickly intensified and engulfed the vehicle. Smoke covered the intersection, uh, stopping buses and commuters along the busy Mangere East Street. Uh, that was shortly after 8 a.m. on Monday. Gosh, what are we up to now? Should be Thursday. Oh, Tuesday. So that was yesterday. No one was injured in the police, according to police spokesman, except for one got a good cuff around the ear. Uh, one person has been taken into custody over the incident. Just one. I wonder how many are in the car. The car was stolen from Mangarese. A lot of thieving going on, isn't there? Getting in early before Christmas. Okay, so that's that story. Let's whip over to... Um, where should we go next? Ah, uh, why don't we do Sky News and have a look at that. Albanese praises Cummins. That's the sports guy, isn't it? Over the in- incoming critics slamming him as woke. Prime Minister Anthony Albanese, who is woke... Um, has taken aim at the critics labelling Pat Cummins woke as he congratulated the Australian cricket team for winning the nation's sixth World Cup overnight. I wonder why they say that. More more news from Australia. Uh, Fair Work supports going back to office in big win for business. What's that? In big win. The Fair Work Commission has ruled in favour of an Australian business 
after its employees requested to work from home. 100% of the time was denied. They want to work from home. I wonder what business they're in. Uh, we did make the decision. This is Albanese, more in Australia. This came through an hour ago. We did make the decision to release these people. What we, who, we Oh, we did not. I missed out a word there. Quite an important word. We did not make the decision to release these people. Prime Minister defends handling of High Court ruling. Anthony Albanese has defended the government's handling of the controversial High Court ruling, which saw 84 dangerous asylum seekers released from indefinite detention. Um, Now, Optus, that's the Australian um, mobile phone network. She's the CEO, and she has resigned after massive outages. Her name is Kelly Bayer. Uh, no, so Kelly Bayer Rosemarin. She's resigned just days after dodging questions about her leadership in a Senate hearing on the Teleco's massive national outages. Not too good. Liberals happy to cooperate with the government on adjusting the what they call the PRRT. I'm not sure what that is, but we'll find out. Uh, we've got shadow climate change, <laughs> shadow climate change, shadowy, shadowy figure. And Energy Minister Ted O'Brien, he says the Liberal Party are happy to cooperate with the government on adjusting petroleum. How do they do that, I wonder? And we can possibly come back to that. Prime Minister urges Royal We, the Royal We, I need a wife like that. Uh, she'd say, oh, we did this and we did that when it was something really good, when I made lots of money. Uh, but then if it was a bit of a bummer, you know, because sometimes, you know, you do and make investments and they're not always good. She'd say, oh, you, he did it, Grant did it. But when I make a good good decision, it's we, the royal we. So here we've got the prime minister. He uses royal we to dodge questions over raising uh, the, the, the uh, raising naval accident with the Jinping. He didn't. He didn't talk to him about that. And what happened there was a Chinese ship, uh, they came in and they set their sonar on, uh, and it's very dangerous. There's two kinds of sonar. We talked about that yesterday. One of them is just um, pretty weak, just sort of, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what it's for. <laughs> anyway, the other one, it sends these really, you know, like pulses. And uh, if there's people in the water, it can blow their eardrums out. And so that's what happened. And even though the Australian frigate, I think it was a frigate, um, they told the Japanese, they let the Chinese, they let them know, hey, we've got men in the water. And what were the men, what were the divers doing in the water? (laughs) What were they doing? Well, they were just getting nets off the propeller. They've got entangled in some fishermen's nets. I hope they replace them. But anyway, uh, so strategic analysis here. Australian director, his name was Michael Shoebridge. He says Prime Minister Anthony Albanese used the royal we to dodge questions over whether he asked the, I'm going to make this up, whether he asked Chinese President Xi Jinping uh, about, you know, what's the story with your, your um, you know, your warship there, you know, damaging our guys. I'm pretty sure that's what it'll be. Let's have a look and see. Strategic analysis directed, yep, Michael Shoebridge. Uh, divers from the Royal Australian Navy suffered minor injuries after an interaction between the HMS Toowoomba and the Navy destroyer from the People's Liberation Army. Sounds sounds communist to me. Uh, the People's Liberation Army doing a routine operation last week. One thing that struck me is that the Prime Minister kept saying, when we raised it, uh, and see, he's not the monarch, uh, so when he uses the royal we, it means that he wasn't, it wasn't me. He told Sky Australia, he's telling us that he he didn't raise the warship incident with Xi Jinping when he went on to say, he also went on to say that he didn't actually have a separate bilateral meeting either, making it sound like 
uh, it was too crowded at the OPEC summit. But the OPEC summit started last Sunday, Sunday before, not the one that just gone, and that finished on Friday, so that's all over. And I think Christopher Luxon here in New Zealand, he wanted to get to that, but he's not going to be able to because, um, you know, he's got, well, it's finished, you know. <laughs> But he wasn't never going to be able to. Not you know you can't get those two together. Lux and Seymour they hate each other's guts, don't they? Uh, so anyway, that that is that. What else have we got for news over the huge amount? This is Australia. Back to real estate now in Australia. Huge amount of resilience to the higher interest rate uh, apparently environment. Uh, yet the real estate uh, agencies group senior economist Paul Ryan he says there's a large amount of resilience to the higher interest rate environment. What does that mean? That means you can just whack the interest rates up as high as you like, and people are resilient. They will be okay. Uh, proposed prominence framework, not about controlling what people watch, according to the Prime Minister's office and Prime Minister the Royal We, Anthony Albanese. He says the government's proposed prominence framework, which will make manufacturers of smart TVs put free to air into those uh, into the into the um, you know what do you call it? I guess it would be like apps, I suppose. A prudent and responsible government would prepare for high court loss. James Patterson. James Patterson. Shadow Home Affairs Minister James Patterson says any prudent and responsible government would have prepared for the possibility of what? I better, I better click on it because I've got no idea what this is about. We could actually listen to it if you like. Let's have a listen, see if it's a short one. Yeah, it's only three minutes. Here you go. What does the incident show around what we can trust in terms of China saying it will be a better global citizen, to paraphrase, and still how its military is acting. Unfortunately, Tom, it is totally contrary to the supposed spirit of friendship that we saw in Beijing, particularly at the Great Hall of the People. Uh, It's very easy to lay on thick platitudes in those diplomatic exchanges. But if while we're having those diplomatic exchanges and pretending that everything is fine and that we are friends again, at the same time, the PLA is taking deliberate steps to put Australian service personnel in harm's way and to injure them, then I think that says more about the relationship than those diplomatic exchanges. And what it requires of us is to be very clear eyed about who we are dealing with and what we are dealing with. This is the Chinese Communist Party. This is the Chinese government. Mm. It is incredibly assertive about its interest in the region. It it doesn't have too much concerns about our interests and it's happy to ride roughshod over them in occasion. And we need to accept the reality of that and respond accordingly. It's why we, uh, our government initiated the AUKUS agreement and it's why this government needs to double down on AUKUS and actually deliver the funding it needs to make it a reality because ultimately we know that the Chinese government respects strength and despises weakness and it is only strength that will get them to respect Australia. Mm. Wanted to ask you about this High Court ruling that of course has meant there's a bit of a scramble as to what happens to those detainees, uh, those people that were being held indefinitely. The Minister on the weekend said that she was actually told by the Department uh, you'll likely win this case because it's so highly litigated against essentially you can't be you know, bringing forward legislation all the time for things that haven't happened yet. Do you, do you accept that explanation that the Department maybe made the wrong call here? Tom, it's almost certainly true that the department provided that advice to the minister, but that's not an excuse for the government because the department would not have said it is a certainty that we're going to win and you do not have to worry about the prospect that we might lose because we're definitely going to win. Like all legal advice, it would have been very carefully couched. It would have said on the preponderance of probabilities, we think we are probably going to win, but there's always a risk with the High Court that we may lose. And whatever the legal advice said, which the minister has now disclosed, so I look forward to them now releasing publicly, whatever the advice said, 
any prudent and responsible government would be prepared for the possibility that you lose. You cannot go to the High Court to argue a constitutional case without understanding there's a possibility that you lose. And if you lose, you need to be prepared to act on that. And it's very clear this government was was completely unprepared. Mm. But if it's happening so much, there's so much different litigation, is it a bit <sighs> much to be constantly preparing legislation for cases where probably in plenty of other circumstances they did win? Tom, it's very kind of you to have a go there, but let's be really clear about this. Yes, the department is litigated against very often, but it's not every day that they're in the High Court okay. challenging the constitutional basis of a fundamental protection of our border protection system and community safety. This is a big one. Uh, okay. It shouldn't be treated like a trivial federal court matter. This is very substantial. OK, that we'll leave it there. That is um, Shadow uh, Home Affairs Minister James Patterson over in Australia there. Okay, let's go back to. Uh, I've, I've, have you had enough of Australian news? Uh, I don't really understand what's going on. Oh, there's been some Australians killed in heavy military barrage in Ukraine, too, by the way. An Australian military veteran has been killed uh, during Australia's recently renewed offensive on the eastern area of Ukraine, with the report suggesting that the Queensland man was fighting alongside an elite unit of foreign soldiers. What would that be? The foreign something, rather. The Foreign Legion, maybe it's the French Foreign Legion. We have one of those guys here. In fact, he was living up in Huangarei, and he actually topped himself. You know what? You know how he did it? Killed himself. Um, he was about 67 years old. He got cancer, I, I believe. Very sad case. But he went out into the mangroves with all this dynamite strapped to himself. I don't know if it's dynamite, but maybe a hand grenade or something. Blew himself up. Not very nice, is it? So we're obviously not looking after our return servicemen properly here in this country either. And it was right at the time, I think it was after COVID, um, it was sort of, you know, I think it was 2020, 21, 22, all at that time. And so, I don't know, maybe he didn't want to be vaxxed, but he didn't see much, ho much hope. There was a lot of men killing themselves during that period. A lot of kids, too, killing themselves during the, um, the COVID pandemic. Uh, nasty, a nasty state of affairs. Uh, okay, so we're now we're over, still over in Australia there with skynews.com, and we're looking at... Uh, the world section here uh, in Australia. He's been traumatised. Son reveals shocking attack on 72-year-old Jewish father. A Jewish man whose 72-year-old father was attacked outside of a Melbourne synagogue says his family, who fled Russia in 1992, has never experienced the physical anti-Semitism now occurring in Australia. And I think it's going to be happening here in New Zealand as well if it's not happening already, especially when you've got half-wits like... Uh, Chloe Schwarbrick calling from the river to the sea, we shall be free, Palestine free. That is a that that cry is basically from the river to the sea, kill every Jew, and that's what the Palestinians want. They want every Jew slaughtered in their beds, and I think it was um, Dennis Prager who said that uh, if 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 to to fix this problem, uh, if all of the Arabs in the Middle East, if they laid down their weapons. Well, in this area, you know, the Palestinian area, the West Bank and Gaza, if they laid their weapons down today, there'd be peace in Israel tomorrow. But if the, if the Israelis lay down their weapons today, they'd all be slaughtered in their beds tonight. And I think that's right. I do. 
It is nine minutes to seven. TNT Radio News coming up at seven. How do you hope the current war in Israel and Gaza comes to an end? Well, I think that that part of the world is is definitely like if you look up the there is no easy answer in the dictionary. It'll be that like the picture of uh, the Middle East um, and Israel especially. So there is no easy answer. This is strictly my opinion of the the goal of Hamas was to provoke an overreaction from Israel. Um, they obviously did not expect to uh, you know have a military victory, um, but they. They, they really wanted to commit the worst atrocities that they could in order to provoke the the most aggressive response possible from Israel um, and then leverage that uh, aggressive response to um, rally Muslims worldwide uh, yeah. for the cause of uh, Gaza and Palestine, which they have succeeded in doing. Um, so the, the the counterintuitive thing here, I think that the, the thing that I think should be done, even though it is very difficult, uh, is that um, I, I would recommend that Israel engage in the most conspicuous acts of kindness possible. Every part, everything. Yeah, that's right. Okay, Liberty and said breakfast with Grant Edwards. We're still in Australia and then we'll come back to New Zealand. We're still at skynews.com and the shadow climate change and energy minister, Teddy, Ted O'Brien, he says the Liberal Party are happy, happy, quote unquote, to, they're all happy, right? Uh, maybe they've been on the on the uh, wacky backy. They are happy to cooperate with the government on adjusting the petroleum resource rent tax. Oh, that's what that PRRT is. Uh, that's what I was going to tell you. Anyway, opposition, however, is threatening to block the reforms, which will limit deductions given to oil and gas companies, capital expenditure, and will raise a $2.4 billion in extra Commonwealth uh, revenue, that's Australian dollars, to a bit more than the Pacific pesos over here in New Zealand, according to the budget forward estimates. Now, he says that we, um, we've we been very clear, they always say that, and I want to be very clear, that the government, uh, from this is from the get-go with the government, he's going to be very clear, that when it announced that it is in, interested in reviewing the, um, what do we call it, the PRRT, and what did I say that was? It was the Petroleum Resource Rent Tax. Ah, okay. That's the one. And they go, and, and adjusting it, this is Mr O'Brien. He told Sky News Australia, uh, we will be critical where we must, but we'll also be constructive where we can. The petroleum we've had through this government hasn't been answering the questions did I say petroleum? No, no. The problem, <laughs> the problem we've had with this government is that we they haven't been answer, they haven't been answering questions, and we've been asking about their prolonged change. Oh, that's a funny short story, and I don't think I did a very good job of reading it. Maybe we could hear from. Oh no, it goes on for too long. Let's have a look. Could we hear from them? Oh no, it's far too long. Goes on for two, for five minutes. And that's I don't have five minutes. Okay, so we're going to move away from those guys now, and we'll have a quick look at the Jerusalem Post and see what what's on the boil over there. I'll be back in a minute, but before we do, here's Jonathan Kahn with just a quick update. Now something crucial for your life and your calling. In the book of Habakkuk, the prophet speaks of taking up his post on the walls as the watchman, as I read at the beginning. He says, I will stand my watch, I will station myself on the rampart, or in the New American Standard says, I will stand my guard post, station myself on the watchtower, I'll keep watch and I will see what he will say to me. The Lord answered me and said, write down the vision. Here the watchman's post is linked to a special hearing from God, receiving prophetic revelation from God, a vision, a word. So in the spiritual realm, the watchman's post is the place where you go alone with God. You leave everything behind, you get above everything else in the problem, and you, sit, you st- stay there with God to receive from God. 
God will speak to you, will lead you, will renew you, will refresh you when you get into the presence with God. It is crucial, even, you know, crucial, especially in these days. These are days all the more we all have to be with God. Every day, go to your watchman's post. High above everything, stand in his presence, sit in his presence, wait on the Lord. Intercede on between heaven and earth. Intercede between heaven and earth. It's crucial that you have your watchman's post and you go there every day. Be filled, be refreshed, be renewed, be enlightened. God may share something with you, but he'll strengthen you. He'll anoint you in his presence. That's where the power is. Hi, I'm Jonathan Kahn, and I hope you were blessed with the video. I was. Yeah, thanks, Jonathan. Thank you very much. We are very blessed with that video. I'm not sure about you, though. When you got involved with it, with Tammy, you know, the bakers, I think, wasn't it? You get involved with these funny charismatic people, these people that want to make merchandise out of Christians. You know, just raking in the dosh. Not so sure about that. But I, I kind of like the way you sound. And I, some, of the thing, some of the things I find very interesting very interesting indeed you know you seem to know an awful lot about the old testament and i'm, I'm learning from the, from you on that so i quite quite like you in a way but i'm still um, a bit cautious i'm a bit cautious about everybody really uh, and i'm particularly cautious about listening to people that actually don't have the same bible as me because <laughs> really what bible you read determines on you know what you believe isn't it so you know you have to be you have to be careful make sure you've got the right bible too you know you really do you need to check it out does it possess the elements of being a divine revelation if it has any mistakes in it that are provable hey look don't kid yourself just chuck the thing out and <laughs> go down to the pub i mean if honestly if i if i couldn't find a bible that i could put my trust in i wouldn't i wouldn't be bothered i couldn't be bothered chuck it out i'm honest enough to admit that i would just just get rid of it and i'd just keep looking for, I think it's reasonable that there should be a divine revelation from the Creator, but if it wasn't the one that I'm holding in my hand, I'd just throw it out. Throw it out and be honest and look for another one. And if I couldn't find one, if I searched all over and couldn't find a divine revelation, because I think it's reasonable there would be one, uh, because I believe we did come from something, not nothing. I believe there was a first cause. Uh, I believe, and I call that first cause God. And I've come to the position that it is the Bible, and when I identify it, what exactly am I referring? Well, I'm referring to the um, the Protestant text of the English Reformation Bible. I believe that that 1611 text, that's when it was published, took seven years to do it. 47 translators, I think at least. Absolute scholinguists. Uh, <laughs> is that what they're called? Linguists and scholars. Scholinguists. <laughs> oh, there's a word. There's a, there's a word for that, too, when you make up words like that. A scholinguist. I better write that down. Uh, there we are. Yes, I'll remember that. That's good, isn't it? Scalinguist. Uh, just, uh, I better not talk through the news, too. We've got news coming up in a few minutes. Uh, anyways, but I think it's the King James Bible. I really do. I know a lot of you will turn off and say, oh, that's rubbish. Rubbish, Grant. But I've proven it to be what it claims to be. Because, it, as I said before, uh, I think it was before seven, before six, it possesses those necessary elements and that's the thing you've got to ask yourself. There's no point in believing something that's full of mistakes. I mean, I can actually pick up most of the new Bibles and I can show you mistakes in them, actually provable ones. So why would I read from those? Why would I put my trust in those? I mean, everything that we need to know as a Christian has actually come, comes from the Bible. It doesn't come from anywhere else. God's put his words in writing for us so that every generation can know God's will. And it's no good listening here in the, this dispensation of the, of the Gentiles it's no good listening to what other people tell you the book says. Because the Roman Catholics, you know, they say they're Christians. You know, the man with the, wearing the white Doc Martens and the woman's dress and the fish hat from time to time, the little skull cap as well, pretending he's a Jew. 
pretending they are Israel, they tell you stuff. They they say that um, when they read the verses about you know take the eat this is my body do this in remembrance of me they think that that's the real body of Christ because their religion goes back to Babylonian goddess worship where they used to eat their little gods their little wafer gods five thousand years ago <laughs> that's why they believe that and if you read the book by Alexander Hislop I think he's doctor uh, my dad got a copy of that in nineteen fifty eight and he gave it to me and I've loaned it to someone and I don't know where it is now but you can get it online. It's called The Two Babylons by Alexander Hislop. A very good book. The cults also present it as well. But it does show you the um, the link. There's a, you know, the, the the worship of Nimrod and his son and his wife, Simiramis, I think it is. They've got all different names, basically. Um, Simiramis, is, she's named, known as um, Venus which is where we get the word venereal disease from. <laughs> so, so you can guess it's all about sex, isn't it, that uh, Babylonian? I mean, that's why there's so much sexual perversion within the Roman Catholic Church, because it comes from sexual perversion. Another great book, which is well worth reading, and it's by a man who's passed away now, gone to be with the Lord. His name is, um, oh, name just ran out of my head. Um, it's called The Woman Rides the Beast. Dave Hunt, that's, his, that's a good, he's very good. And I read that book. Uh, I studied it, actually. It's very, very good. And it goes back, right back, and it shows you that all those pagan things, all the stuff that the Roman Catholics do today, you know, with the Vestal Virgins, basically in Rome, that's the nuns of today, and uh, all the perversion, all the sexual perversion, really they were doing that in pagan Rome. And that's why it's rife through the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, it's, uh, the Protestants are doing some wicked stuff as well because they're not really Protestants anymore. They're not protesting the pretensions of the Roman Catholic system anymore, which was why Rome, uh, you know, ousted these people. The first Protestants were actually Roman Catholics. Oh, we've got news coming up. Uh, gosh, we've got awful noise happening. Yeah, here is news. Where? Thank you, and I love your ears. I love them. They're really cool. Creep, your name? Creepy Joe. Catherine. Catherine, what a beautiful name. Oh, that's name. terrible. That's my mommy's name. Well, nice to see. How old are you, 17? Six. Oh, you horrible man. A man has man. been charged in Victoria for allegedly performing the Nazi salute in Melbourne, Victoria. He's the second to have been arrested over the new laws that have passed the Victorian Parliament in October. The 55-year-old man was also charged with alleged stalking and threats to kill on November 16th. This follows police attending a Melbourne home on November 12th after a noise complaint. Police allege the man performed the salute outside a residential address in Mason Street in the suburb of Newport at 3.50 a.m. in the morning. The Victorian police said the 55-year-old Newport man has been charged with performing a Nazi gesture, stalking, and threats to kill. He's been bailed to appear before Melbourne Magistrates Court on January 8, 2024. West Virginia Democrat Senator Joe Manchin discussed rumors he's planning to launch a third-party run for the presidency with NBC's Christian Welker on Meet the Press. And he denied he would be a spoiler for President Biden in the match against Donald Trump. Do you think President Biden and Vice President Harris are the strongest ticket to represent the Democratic Party in 2024? Not in the centrist part, no, I don't. And they know how I feel. This is not a... I do not believe that they are basically where Joe Biden has come from and just go back to the campaign. He's been here for long. He understands the system. And I think he's a good man. And we have good conversations. We just disagree. You're going too far left. I can't go there. According to Mark Owen Jones, who is associate professor of Middle East studies at Hamad bin Khalifa University and expert on digital authoritarianism and social media disinformation, 
The Israeli government is resorting to increasingly wild disinformation online and appears to have lost control over the narrative about its war on Hamas in Gaza. Here with more is TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. Here's the real takeaway from all of this, and that's that Israel is actually losing the public relations war. Now, mind you, they got off to a very fast start. It seemed like the world was behind Israel, but they really weren't. It was governments and the mainstream media that were backing the carpet bombing of the Gaza Strip. This is ethnic cleansing. This is genocide, of course, who can support it. And now that's being reflected really in the media. Naftali Bennett, former prime minister, admitted there's 15 times more pro-Palestinian messages and posts on social media on the internet than there are pro-Israeli so they're clearly losing it but now you see this Al-Shifa hospital tobacco and it reminds us of Geraldo Rivera and Al Capone's vaults a nothing burger there was nothing there but they're still producing these crazy propaganda films this is worse than Baghdad Bob and Chemical Ali they're not much better than Saddam Hussein's propaganda unit we expected more from the Israelis but unfortunately they're only delivering comedy at this point for TNT Radio this is Patrick Henning. Oh, thank you, Patrick. For those too slow to understand, I'll say it real slow in small words. Israel abandoned the Gaza Strip in 2005. It is now 2023. Hamas has ruled the Gaza Strip since 2006. It is now 2023. Hamas is in control of the Gaza Strip. Hamas is holding hostages. Hamas is in control of its own civilians. Those civilians live under the rule of the Hamas government in the Gaza Strip. Those civilians are Hamas's responsibility. It is a war crime to put your civilian in front of military targets. It is a war crime to shield your rockets with children. It is a war crime to hold hostages. It is a war crime to put hostages in a war zone to try to prevent bombing. All of these are war crimes. Every ounce of blood that is spilled, every building that is taken down, every ugly photo you see from Gaza is on Hamas. It is that simple. There is no duality about this. The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. But they found right in, in Arabia, there's Mount Sinai. It's still burned. The top of it is still black. Down from Mount Sinai, you see where they put walls up to stop the people from coming to gaze at God. And they carved a cow <clears throat> on one of the rocks. God told Moses to smite the rock. Smote the rock a bunch of times and God got angry with him. Only supposed to smite it once, Moses. It'd be two million people. How long is it going to take to water two million people with that little trickle? Some say a little bit better. No, here's actually the rock. That giant rock is five stories tall, 50 feet tall. Wow. That split in half and water came pouring out of both sides. It says in Exodus 17, then came Amalek and fought with Israel. Because out in the desert, water is worth more than gold. That is Kent Hovind. Gosh, they locked him up for 10 years for tax avoidance or tax evasion, and that was bad news, actually. hes I think he's still fighting that, but he's come back. His wife left him while he was in prison, and I think he's even estranged from his own son. Terrible. And uh, I think he was a good man, actually. I still think he's a good man. Uh, let's look at the extremes for uh, the highest temperature right now, 17.1 at 6 minutes past 7. Uh, this morning, on the Tuesday morning, the 21st of November, in Auckland, Manukau, 17.1. 
Colverdon. That's a place in the South Island. 6.1 degrees is the lowest temperature in the country. It's really warmed up, actually, right across the whole place. Uh, the windiest is not very windy at all. It's only about 15, 20 knots, and that's in New Plymouth. New Plymouth Airport has 33 kilometres per hour. I think that's probably the gust, actually, probably gusting up to that. And uh, the wettest place is Gisborne. It's eased off a little bit now. Uh, 1.3 millimetres per hour of rain is going through there. Looking at the temperatures across the main centres, Stewart Island's on 11 degrees, and Vicargill 8, Queenstown is on 7, Dunedin 12, Timaru 7, Chatham Islands 13, France Joseph 12, Westport 13, Christchurch 9, Timaru, did I say that? 7 degrees, Blenheim. Uh, you're on 10 degrees, Nelson's 12. Uh, across to Wellington, and you've got 12 degrees in Wellington, 13 degrees in Masterton. Uh, Napier has 15 degrees, Palmerston North's on 14. New Plymouth's on 15, along with Rotorua and Taupo. Gisborne has 16 degrees, Tauranga 16, Hamilton 14, Auckland 17, Whangarei 17, and Kaitaia 16. And Auckland in the Manukau area, 17.1. Short forecast for Northland to Waitomo, including the Coromandel Peninsula, the Bay of Plenty, and Taupo. Scattered showers, mainly in the afternoon. Some heavy and isolated thunderstorms possible about Auckland, Coromandel, Waikato, Waitomo and the Western Bay of Plenty. For Gisborne and the Wairapa, periods of rain easing in the Wairapa to, from this afternoon. Taranaki to Kapiti Coast, also for Taramanui and also Taihapi or Tongmurui. Uh, fine spells and you've got isolated showers. In Wellington, you have uh, cloudy periods with the low cloud about the south coast this morning and afternoon. A possible shower this afternoon. For Westland and Fiordland, fine, but isolated showers in Fiordland from midday. For the remainder of the South Island, fine spells, scattered showers this afternoon and evening, mainly about the ranges, and in Southland and Otago, where some may be heavy and possibly thunderstorms are thrown in just for good measure. Low cloud about the eastern Marlborough area and Canterbury Plains. Uh, that's going to be developing in the afternoon and evening with a possible drizzle as well. Just light though. And the Chatham Islands, mostly cloudy. Looking ahead for Wednesday, the extended forecast for the North Island. Rain in the east, easing to showers later. But uh, clearing in the south, isolated showers developing elsewhere. In the South Island tomorrow, rain in Fiordland with some heavy falls and scattered showers developing in the far south. Uh, elsewhere, it's going to be cloudy early in the morning and it's going to clear and become fine tomorrow afternoon in the South Island. On Thursday in the North Island, you have showers. Showers uh, isolated though. It's going to be in the upper North Island. Mainly fine elsewhere, but isolated showers developing in the west later in the day. In the South Island on Thursday, rain in Fiordland and possibly heavy falls spreading north mainly fine for Marlborough and Nelson. On Friday in the North Island, rain with some heavy falls in the south and east. Scattered showers elsewhere in the South Island, rain easing to showers and clearing in the west. Snow, <laughs> snow, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Snow down to 400 metres. I should pre-read it because I was shocked, I'm as shocked as you are. Uh, down to 400 metres, that's, gosh, that's low, isn't it? That's on Friday, so it's going to get cool, cool again. Uh, that's in the far south. That's way down where you can see them. You've got to chase the penguins out of the barn down in south from there, in places like um, Ariti Plains and uh, Winton and places like that. Invercargill, all those terrible, terrible cold places. But lovely people, though. Chatham Islands, your long-range forecast, mainly fine weather. You have... Uh, you got that on Wednesday, anyway, and then on Thursday, it's going to be fine. And then you've got showers developing on Friday, Friday, and then uh, you've got some easterlies turning to northerly on Thursday. That is me. That is me, done done like a dinner. I'm sorry, I was sort of all over the place today. 
was, I couldn't hold a thought together. Uh, I think it's because I couldn't get just couldn't get to sleep last night. It was, you know, I'm up at half past one, two o'clock. Um, really, because once you go back, once you wake up, you know, <laughs> and you try and go back to sleep, it's a waste of time. You wake up really tired. So, you know, I normally set the alarm for three o'clock, but it's been I've been doing two o'clocks just getting up before, well before the alarm and couldn't couldn't go to bed so I'm a bit over time so I might actually have a snooze after this I'll just do all my work put all my little trailers together what I'm going to play uh, all the spots do all that and then I'll upload this program um, That and I'm going to do it in um, hourly that's what I'll do yeah I'll do hourly one so we'll go from I think I started at 2 o'clock or something like, something crazy like that so we'll do 2 till 3 3 till 4 4 till 5 five to six in, in, like that and um, you'll be able to watch those or listen to them I think I'll put we'll put them on rumble I think that's what we'll do um, so I might actually delete the um, the one that's going out now which started at five o'clock I might delete that and then just upload it does take forever on rumble though doesn't it not like YouTube it's a lot quicker so but I'll put them out as um, hourly sort of um, yeah, I think it's better. I think people, you know, they can wait around for an hour, but who wants to who wants to wade through three hours or four hours of stuff? I've got a friend that doesn't miss anything, and he, he increases the speed up to 1.7 or one one and a half. So I'm going, blah, 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 blah. I sound like a chipmunk, especially when I laugh, he said. But that's how he gets through, gets through what, because he doesn't want to miss anything, but he doesn't have the time to sit through a full two hours or something like that. So I'll do them in hourly lots. That way I think it's easier. Uh, so I'm not quite sure what I'm doing, but I'll, I'll give it a go. It's just an experiment, isn't it? Just every day is um, so exciting. As you get older, it's like that. And when you've got dementia, um, it's wonderful because you get to meet new people every day. That's the best, the first best thing about um, dementia. You know, you do get to meet new people every day. And um, some people say I repeat myself. But uh, the second best thing about dementia is that um, um, you... Um, you, you, you get to meet new people every day. Israel has never, not one time in history, initiated any conflict. Every single one of those things that you're pointing to is a retaliatory attack by a terrorist organization. But if that was switched, where I, Israel, you, Hamas, in Gaza, I take all of my arms and all of my protection and I laid them down, what would Hamas do? They'd kill every single one. That's what they do. That's, that's what they're sworn to do. That's their motto and the origin of their existence. All the way back to the Grand Mufti traveling to Hitler to ask, how do we solve the Jewish problem? Like, you want to follow Hamas to the Muslim Brotherhood all the way back to the Grand Mufti, to Mujahideen, and you see the origins of, like, one thing, which is how do I solve the Jewish problem, is to eradicate and kill them. That is what Hamas came from. Not the Palestinians, not those poor people stuck in Gaza. If all of Hamas just went away, we would have peace. Do not punish behavior you wish to see repeated. And husbands do this to their wives a lot, too, especially if they're the jealous type. So imagine you have a wife that maybe you uh, you got lucky and you you attracted someone who's a little bit above your caliber or at least that's what you think and maybe you're right too you know and so she's attractive and you're happy about that in some ways but what about those other men you know and so you go out one night and she dresses up and she looks pretty damn sharp and you're a little unhappy about that because you know what about those other men and so she asks you how she looks, and you take that opportunity to punish her for her beauty. You do that a hundred times. You watch what happens. You think, God, you've let yourself go. It's like, no, I pretty much shaped myself into what you allowed. Just relax and listen to the radio. Mm-hmm.